All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Need Some Introduction. We're back, Sona and I. Hi. With a new show to cover. We're covering The Patient on Hulu, which just began this week. And uh, Sona, anecdotally, this uh, was a very popular show. I think it was the most streamed show over the past couple of days. So this, uh, oh, I'm a little surprised. Yeah, I was a little surprised. I mean, I guess they've been promoting it a lot, but I was a little surprised that, that it took off the way it did. And it's uh, surprisingly low key, although I hear it supposedly gets a little crazier as it goes along. But right now it's pretty low key to start. Mm-hmm. And a little interesting backstory here. This is uh, Fields and Weissenberg are the creators and writers of this show who, I, this is a show I believe you watched too, Sona, their previous show that they created and ran for many years was The Americans. Oh, one of my all-time favorites. That's part of the reason I thought this would be a good choice for us to cover. But beyond that, I find it very interesting that The Americans was a pretty sprawling show. I mean, they didn't actually shoot in Russia, but they shot in different locales and, you know, at least fictionalized different territories in the country and around the world in this in that show, you know, with car chases, cars flipping over and, and, and you know, legitimate action sequences. And now we have two people talking in a room, <laughs> quite, <laughs> quite a reversal for their next project. It is, although two people talking in a room is also my jam. So. <laughs> That's your jam too, exactly. That's a good point. <laughs> Hitting on all cylinders for me. So let's get into the story itself. This stars primarily, I mean, there are other characters here in flashbacks and things, but primarily we have Steve Carell and Donald Gleason here. We'll get into who those characters are. But the first episode is called Intake. Before we get into any kind of breakdown, any kind of analysis of what happens in these episodes. I did want to just kind of get your general temperature here because what I wanted to mention is that, first of all, this is incredibly easy to watch. These are 20-minute episodes, which is maybe a little too short, and we can talk about that when we get to critique at the end. But at the same time, I would say maybe, you know, even though we're going to break this down week to week, and we'll cover other things in there as well. I'll figure out what that is. There are a lot of thrillers coming out on a week to week basis. So maybe we'll throw in a movie review or maybe do like a retrospective review on an older thriller just to round out these episodes. But for this first episode, we're going to cover those first two of this season. All to the fact that if you want to watch this, this is a very low commitment. I think there's going to be 10 episodes, but only 20 minutes each. But even though we're going to do this week to week, Maybe this is a show to binge or at least binge in part. Is that is that kind of your sense too, Sona? Or how, how did you feel just generally before we get into the breakdown? Yeah, I think it would be more satisfying to watch these in clusters than one at a time. Although I could see the advantage of that too for someone with a chaotic lifestyle like mine. <laughs> yes. Not because my life is so exciting, just because I can't get left alone for more than 20 minutes at a time. <laughs> right. So um, there is an advantage in that as well. Well, to that point, my wife rarely has more than 20 minutes to commit to a show. She did you know, binge the last two episodes of Better Call Saul, for example, within a couple of days of us wrapping up our coverage here. But uh, in general, she does not have an hour to sit down and watch something. So she literally last night was asking me, what should I watch? Should I finish Only Murders in the Building? What should I start watching now? And I'm like, you may want to watch The Patient because it's only 20 minutes a week. I think you could probably do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, it, at some point, it's a question of, am I willing to lose sleep over watching this? You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So the uh, episode itself, the first episode called Intake. And we open with Steve Carell. He's chained to a floor in a basement somewhere, although the basement has a patio. So I guess it's one of those split levels or I don't know what you call those. I think that's called a walkout basement, I think. Perhaps, yeah. 
we have some music, some bird calls in the background. Everybody, I just want everybody to know that uh, Sona's out on vacation this week. Actually, so, so sorry, we'll I have a little think, bit of background um, noise. Oh, it's okay. I'm I, just letting everybody know the. Conference. I really did not think the um, cheap, uh, you know, headphones that come with the iPhone from years ago would be that sensitive, but I guess they are. <laughs> They're surprisingly good, actually, too. Also, at noise canceling, but they yeah, I mean, like these are literally those ones that came with the phone that nobody ever uses. So. I just wanted to get everybody the uh, the context that you didn't like get a new pet bird or anything. Yes, <laughs> no, it's the flora and fauna of Eastern Long Island. <laughs> She's actually at the location of this uh, this episode of the show. That's right. I'm in the basement now, as we speak. <laughs> She's chained to a basement, but they did you know like, likely open the door, the slider. <laughs> the basement would have been a quiet place to do this call. I didn't think of that. <laughs> That's a good point. Except for the chain. Don't rattle the chain. <laughs> Now, um, <laughs> speaking of all that, oh, and by the way, I don't know if you were able to suss this out. They talk about Lincoln County and they, they do name. I was noticing yes. all the locations, but I didn't have time to figure out what that all pointed to. Same with me. I, Lincoln County is one in Washington. There's one in North Carolina, which both would make sense given just the very little that we've seen outside. But there's also the name of a couple of local towns. Which yes. are, once again, I have not done the research yes. to figure out where this is supposed to be yet, but I'll have that ready for next week. And yeah, we just get to see Steve Carell go into one of his screaming fits, <laughs> which I kind of laughed at. It reminded me a little bit of some of these uh, freakouts on The Office. So maybe, maybe not the intention, but that's kind of what happened. And it's pretty drawn out, considering this is only 20 minutes. It's a pretty long scene of him just freaking out in the basement before we get to the titles. Yes, I agree. And then we flash back. We see that he has uh, meets with this person, Gene, who turns out to not be his name, apparently, or who knows what his real name is, actually, at this point. Right. And the, Gene seems to be a real foodie, by the way, just the first important thing to call out here. Well, no, I thought so. But then when we learn what he does for a living, I think it's somehow connected. Yeah, I think that it might be a combination of both things because, yes, he seems to be a restaurant inspector. So maybe it's just because he's at these locales so often. But he does seem to get into the details of why it tastes so good and the different ingredients and how True. they prepare it. So. True which is not really in his wheelhouse, right? He's not a, a food critic. I mean, none of this added up for me with this remote location in the woods because I have stayed in remote locations in the woods and you are lucky to find anything. You know, you're lucky to have a diner. I mean, I guess maybe he's driving really far. I don't know, but... Yeah, he might have some out of the house. Maybe it's like a family home or something. But I, we can get into this later, but I think a lot of the story here does not add up. So either this yeah, is Yeah, very... it's quite possible, yes. Either this is very, very bad plotting, which I don't think it is, or there's just basically no, nothing that we're seeing here is actually true <laughs> at this right. moment. So. Quite possible. And then we do see Gene's first session in flashback, and he talks about him having to be his father. Any, I mean, he does very little of revealing anything about himself this early on in these sessions. But do you believe this part of the story at all? Um, I feel like it's 50-50. It might be the truth. It might be that he was kind of testing Steve Perel to see what responses he would get from him to see whether he like passed the test for what happens next. Now, the next batch of questions I have for you, once again, intentionally vague at this point, we know that he's lost somebody. We see one of his patients saying, I'm sorry for your loss. Yes. And then he sees a strange nightmare where he sees a baby as a reptile or an alien, something like that in the crib. Yeah. And then we know as well that his wife is gone. So she's either divorced or may have passed away, considering the fact that she, he goes and tracks down his son, yeah. Ezra who is now Hasidic, and apparently that has created some kind of tension in the family. Mm -hmm. But also the fact that he goes and gives him the guitar saying, you're the only one who still plays this, and he doesn't mm -hmm. want it. 
And it made me think that maybe the mother had passed away, given the fact that, you know, if she yeah. was divorced, even if she doesn't want the guitar, says, I don't want it, he could just mail it to her and just be done with it. Right. So it seems a little odd that he would go and pass it on to his son. It seems to, he didn't want to just throw it away or just send it back. I would assume she's passed away. That is my assumption as well. And then I was thinking with the sign of the baby, that alien baby, maybe she died in childbirth, but she seemed to be of a different age to have. I don't yeah, know, I, I don't that. think that's it. I mean, that whole nightmare sequence definitely is important, but not sure how it ties in yet. Right. A few other things we see here. We see that Alan, who is uh, Steve Carell's character's name, Dr. Strauss, Alan Strauss, is mm-hmm. very methodical about cleaning his teeth and other things as well. And also, you know, he basically confronts Gene uh, that he knows that he's just not giving him anything. And these conversations seem to be, you know, every time he asks him a question, they go on some digression into food or some other topic. And he really does not seem to want to be answering any of these things, which probably is what leads to <laughs> him abducting him, <laughs> abducting him. And that basically leads to that night, right? He hears some bottles rattling outside. He goes to pick up mm-hmm. the garbage. Someone sneaks up behind him. And then he wakes up in this basement. Alan wakes up the next morning. Gene is there. He says, I'm sorry. I know this sucks. <laughs> But he does said, you know, you're screaming all night long, which I guess was what we saw at the opening of the episode. And he says, don't waste your time. We're out in the woods. And that's right. kind of when we kind of start seeing him, you know, presenting him with the way, you know, he talks about how he prepared the eggs. You're really Various ethnic out. foods. Yes. <laughs> and very, very different styles, obviously. So this is, uh, and it's always in a bag like you would get from these restaurants. So he's obviously going to these places. And, you know, it does make sense, by the way, if we do trust some of this biography, that as a food inspector, you know, I could imagine that obviously go to inspect a restaurant, they're going to have a good relationship with you. And of course, they're going to be like, hey, here, take this on the house. You know, here you go. I agree. Although that didn't add up with how offended he was, right? At the yes. idea of someone bribing him, first yes. of all. Right. Second of all, he shouldn't be accepting it if that's the context. But maybe the places that meet his standards, he goes up, goes back to and right. buys on his own. It's possible. And just the premise of what seemed to be a South Asian restaurant doing breakfast, very strange to me. <laughs> yes. Also in an area that like it's the woods, no one will hear you scream. I'm not saying a South Asian restaurant could never do breakfast, but in that kind of environment, very strange that they can like make that worthwhile, but okay. <laughs> the only thing I would add to that, and you probably experienced this as well in New York, but when I used to live in a Weehawken, that there was... You know, there were a lot of ethnic restaurants around. Obviously, it's a very, very culturally diverse area. So you would go into Chinese restaurants, for example, and they would have plantains. They would have fried chicken. <laughs> you mm-hmm, know, so mm-hmm. Sometimes, you yeah. know, you, you kind of just, you, you know, uh, you have your core menu, but then, hey, you have whatever sells as well. Maybe, yeah. And maybe breakfast option is a, is a good one for, for random stuff. And I apologize. I actually don't know where the break is in these episodes, but honestly, these are so short. <laughs> I think that's probably why it all blurs together. And also as maybe a little bit of a criticism, I felt there wasn't enough substance for the 20 minute uh, episode. It seems like it's kind of arbitrarily split. And that might be why I'm a little confused here as to exactly where one episode ends and the next I begins. I think the first episode ended with Steve Carell refusing to eat the South Asian breakfast, I think. Yeah. Let's assume that's the case. (laughs) It works. Yeah. The second episode is called Alan Learns to Meditate. Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, we do see a flashback with him and his wife where she is trying, whose name is Beth. I should give her a name. And she is teaching him how to meditate. Mm -hmm. 
and he just can't quiet his mind. She says, you know, people like you have problems with this. And she goes, what do you, what do you mean people like me? And he's like, you know, people who can't quiet their minds. Hey, I can, I can appreciate that. I think we all are a little ADHD nowadays. So I, I don't think mm -hmm. that's to, uh, I mean, you used to meditate, right? Or do yoga anyway. So I used to do yoga a lot, which I found very meditative as like an incidental benefit. Um, not in the idea of clearing my mind, but at least of allowing my mind to focus on a singular thing when usually I'm trying to be in five places or 10 places at once and doing it all poorly, at least here, I would focus on a single thing and be okay at it. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think we all suffer with that, especially after COVID. Yep. And especially parents, right? There's oh, yes, always absolutely. so many different levels of like trying yes. to keep your job, trying to keep your child alive. <laughs> <laughs> right. And like, yeah, just trying to have, yeah. and having, just having a few minutes to do whatever, you know, on your other yes. side, a little me time. So in general, uh, Gene, first of all, reveals that his name is actually Sam. He, uh, you know, Steve Carell tries, or I should say, Alan tries to get out of the basement by saying, you know, if you let me go right now, I still don't have to say anything. And uh, he goes, you're going to turn me in. And he goes, I, I can't turn you in by, you know, my uh, code of ethics, mm -hmm. unless I think you're actually going to hurt somebody, which then, of course, Gene says, I'm going to hurt somebody, which, of course, you know, basically uh, immediately punctures yeah. that privilege. <laughs> mm -hmm. Of course, that's all intentional. Mm-hmm. And he mentions that he picked him out because he read his book. He told mm -hmm. him that he had confidence in him. And, and I honestly am still very suspicious of this whole story. And I'll give you maybe my theory of the case here at the end of our conversation. But, you know, he mentioned something interesting here that he had met with three different Jewish therapists and that mm -hmm. he had picked him. So that seemed mm -hmm. important for some reason. Mm -hmm. Right. If this guy's just a serial killer trying to get cured, <laughs> why did they mm -hmm. have to be Jewish? <laughs> he brings out like all his wallets. He explains that he is the John Doe killer. Apparently mm -hmm. that's a, a name that's been given to a serial killer who's going out and I guess mugging people after he kills them. And he was doing that so as to make it look like muggings, but they found out that this was a killer with a pattern. And then he brings all the wallets into and watches as well to, uh, to Steve right. Carell. Some him, of hey, them still work. Some of them still work. <laughs> if you want one, you can keep track of time. Not sure if you, that's what you want when you're in prison. Really? <laughs> Tony's brought him some pork buns, <laughs> which of course, as you mentioned earlier, I did find a little interesting here that he's like, I'm just showing you this because I want to prove to you that I'm the killer. And Steve Carell responds like, as if I needed proof. And I'm like, I would have needed proof, right? <laughs> to be honest with you, right. like some crazy yeah. person starts telling me some really crazy story. I would not have taken them at face value. I mean, I would have mm -hmm, been very mm -hmm. disturbed that I've been hit, kidnapped, but it right. mean, you know, not every kidnapper is a serial killer, right? So, right. Oh, and, and in, at the, early in this episode, actually something that was kind of annoying to me <laughs> was the whole sequence with the plastic fork. He like yes. takes the tine from the plastic fork. He decides that, oh, well, maybe I can uh, open the lock with it. But it was just the way they built up the drama here. We had to get the tine out of the lock. And, I mean, uh, he had all freaking day. Yeah, he was like panicking. Like the like panic was seconds. like the guy's going to be back in 30 seconds. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It just seemed ridiculously artificially trumped up in the show maybe maybe they're just trying to create yeah, some tension like, i'm not sure the leverage but like try banging it against something yeah, you know exactly. like just that seems like it would shake it loose <laughs> yeah like a yeah bang it against the floor or, you know they weren't building that up so much but i actually thought at this moment when he's like pounding it when he had the tine in there i actually thought they were gonna actually try to convince me that he had opened the lock by shaking it around i was like man they better not do that that would be ridiculous but insane yeah just wants to get it out and then he eats it he swallows it like you can't i mean oh, it's I so ridiculous. That. <laughs> 
yeah, he swallows it afterwards. I'm like, that's so crazy. Like, why wouldn't you just like leave it next to the fork? I mean, he's going to yes. notice the tine is missing. He's either going to notice that it's missing or he's not. And yes. how many times have you used a plastic fork? My daughter uses a plastic fork all the time and the tines snap off all the time. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Some so of those strange. forks are very flimsy. Which is strange. I actually am on board with the show, by the way, because I think that I'm curious for the circumstance, although I didn't think these episodes were like knockouts or anything. So I am still on board, but I did feel like they were artificially trying to create these dramas in these very short 20 minute episodes. And I'm like, why even like, why, like, why make these 20 minute episodes? Right, right, right. Anyway, they do finally sit together and they have what appears to nearly be a, a session here. This is where they start talking about, you know, he works for Lincoln County. He talks about like some of the, uh -huh. you know, I, I follow this guy too. And he named the town. So we'll have to track down and find out where they are geographically, maybe Oregon. I'm just guessing at this point. Mm -hmm. seems west coast for some reason well i was looking it up a bit while we were talking it was shot in la so that explains the appearance i feel like it i feel like it could viably be either the pacific northwest or north carolina which is one that you mentioned i mean that's just from like googling um lincoln county but i wouldn't be surprised if lincoln <laughs> there are what practically one in the multiple <laughs> exactly they're like there's got to be one in illinois right so. <laughs> exactly i definitely yeah. would be one there exactly so we do again see ezra in flashback with his wife clara Clara. Mm -hmm. Beth seems very upset. She like throws a, speaking of a plastic utensil, she has a plastic knife to cut this cake that they brought. Very strange. Why wouldn't she use her own knife? <laughs> uh, nothing made sense about this to yes, me. Yes. And I thought maybe it's because my environment, I couldn't focus enough, but yeah, it didn't make sense. This scene doesn't make sense at all. It doesn't make sense that, you know, she tries to cut the cake with a plastic knife and then the wife apologizes about it. The Ezra's wife, uh, who's Hasidic also, and the dad is there as well. Something about being orthodox doesn't allow you to use a knife oh. after sunset during the Sabbath. Oh, good. I don't point. know. I'm okay. really spitballing. I don't know that that's a rule in any way, shape, or form. I'm just trying to justify why they'd be in this situation. It must be a religious rule because otherwise she could. She definitely could have just pulled the out knife. The knife is considered her like work. Yeah, I don't know. And then, of course, she throws the <laughs> cake against the wall afterwards. Yes. She's very upset that Ezra has converted. Yes. Alan says this is just rebellion. Rebellion. Yeah. But I mean, if he's married someone who is Orthodox, it's not something you can just conveniently, you know, especially if they have kids, it's not something you can just like walk away from conveniently. So it uh, seems uh, right. Yeah. So this is a little strange. Agree. I'm sure this happens to families all the time, by the way. So it's, you know, it's just interesting that they're introducing it so early on for, I guess, in this some... type of show. Yes, yeah. It is strange. Exactly. Yeah. And you would know that that's definitely going to be something very important to what ever happened in Alan's life. It's just, I don't know what that is yet. It's basically what it comes down to. And then we kind of get into, you know, what Donald Gleason's character, Gene, Sam, whatever his name is at this point, is all hung up on. And it was that somebody at one of these restaurant inspections, once again, if we trust anything he says, disrespected him, not even disrespected him, but basically said, oh, sorry, the restaurant's like a mess in this way. I'll fix it up. Come back next week. And he's like, yeah. well, it takes months to have another inspection, yeah. which I know from restaurant owners, that is true. That's usually how it is. And instead he has to, is sent back out there a week later by his boss. And it's not even that the guy like rubs it in his face. They have cleaned up everything. They've actually made all the corrections that he's requested. And regardless, despite that, he, you know, he's basically affronted by the fact that this guy just kind of says, ignores him, which, which is hilarious because I, you know, I've worked in with food before and like, if the inspector's there, uh, I would usually just go on, you know, this, I wasn't, I didn't own a restaurant. Obviously I was just as when I was younger and like serving at a restaurant, but you kind of let them in 
And then I go to do, you know, I set the tables or do whatever I have to do. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not, you know. So it's strange that he's so offended by this guy, just basically ignored him, and that that is sufficient to want to kill him. So it's strange. And, and once again, I don't believe this because there's no way that this is the level of effrontery that leads to him wanting to kill somebody. That type of thing would happen on a daily basis if you were that prickly. I agree. I guess if we want to give it some credibility, it's like a subversion of the rules of the system and thinking yep. the rules don't apply to you. Right. And he mentions that the guy was like particularly smug about it, right? Yeah. That he had found right. a way around it. So, I mean, maybe, but I do see your point as well. And that pretty much ends things at this point. So he's very close to apparently wanting to off this guy. He says enough time has passed. He's actually been staking out the restaurant again. He went to buy their dinner there that day. And he says enough time has passed where no one would connect me back to this guy anymore. So I'm very close to doing it. And he explains that he just gets fixations and this fixation is there and he can't get past it. And he needs for Alan to you know do something quick because he's just warning him that that the time is coming. And then he leaves again, like he normally does. And we had heard some noise in the house earlier, and I think maybe all the way back in episode one, but we mm -hmm. hear a lot more noise upstairs. <clears throat> this time, Alan calls out to whoever's there, and then there's someone there walking down the stairs. Mm -hmm. And then very sweetly, Alan says, hello, and that's mm -hmm. the end of episode two. So honestly, it's that cliffhanger. First of all, this was originally going to be three episodes, and they truncated it to two. Mm -hmm. maybe because this is a good cliffhanger. Uh, I really need a third episode to get a real feel of whether <laughs> I want to continue to invest in this show, although I definitely am going to. And uh, and like I said, critics have seen more of this show. They've seen most of it, I think. And the reviews have been pretty positive. So I will probably trust in that, that it will get better as it goes along anyway. But uh, I did find that an interesting cliffhanger moment. And hey, it worked. I I'm definitely going to, I definitely want to know who's walking down the stairs. I want to see the first scene of the next episode for sure. Mm -hmm. And that's where we leave things. I have a theory as to what's actually going on, but I will save it at the end in case people want to skip it because it could potentially be a spoiler. But what did you think in general and where they left things at this moment? Okay. So first of all, as someone who has spent thousands of dollars on therapy sessions for myself, <laughs> yes, I, very I love anything mm -hmm. involving therapy. So in that way, I'm in. Steve Carell, I'm in. I like him. Two people talking in a room, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This guy playing Sam, whoever he may be, um, is he famous? Has he been in other things? He has. He's been in a bunch of things. He's a British actor, actually. I do not find this guy charismatic enough mm. to be carrying this role. I am not particularly interested in watching him. I find him, um, his appearance kind of off-putting. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just, I don't care for it. So that is the stumbling block I'm having is that I'm not interested in this guy yet. Yeah. I don't know if it's the actor or the character, but the whole situation is not working for me. He's in the most recent Star Wars trilogy. He's Brendan Gleeson's son, uh, the British actor. Uh, he was in Ex Machina, which is very good. Everybody hasn't seen that. And he's very good in Ex Machina. But I agree. He's very off-putting here. I think it's intentional. Although he he makes a choice with his performances, right? Like he, for example, in the Star Wars new trilogy, he's one of the best parts in that he has this very obnoxious, villainous character. And it's like everyone hated him after the first 
film in the trilogy hated his performance i would say and then over time people like found it very funny like they, they, they kind of got mm -hmm. what he was trying to do you know so i think he makes choices uh and it, i agree it's off putting the other thing they've done here intentionally by the way they've darkened his hair they, he like just basically mm -hmm. doesn't look like he normally does once okay. again i think this is all intentional like he's mm -hmm. so i still have faith given what i've seen of him in the past but I agree, like just if I had no relationship with this actor at this moment, I would just think he was giving a really bad performance. But I think the intention is that he's giving a performance as this character, right? He's playing a character basically with Alan. So I think that kind of works because he almost has a different affectation from scene to scene. And I think that's intentional. By the way, I, I could be wrong about all these things. There's a lot of things in the plot here that I think are like vague and confusing. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I assume that's going to be explained. <laughs> I could mm -hmm. be wrong. It could just be vague and confusing. But uh, at this moment, I kind of give them the benefit of the doubt, especially given the pedigree that these writers, you know, brought the Americans, which okay. um, I have my issues with it as well. I am more curious, to be honest with you, <laughs> my original notes, by the way, I was writing like WTF is this show. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so I am more interested in like, what is going on? here? What is like, happening? Like literally mm. like, what? Like, what is this? Uh, and that's what primarily what has me interested. Once again, not even like on a moment to moment, whether I enjoyed the episode or not. I'm much more curious to be like, why these actors and these showrunners would write this story <laughs> and make this show at this moment with these people locked in the basement, other than it might be have been COVID friendly. <laughs> but other than that, right. what is the purpose of any of this? What is happening? And once again, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that they are doing this intentionally, that like we are supposed to be confused at this moment as to what's mm -hmm. actually happening. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here is my theory of the case. Anybody wants to skip this? It might be a spoiler for the show, possibly. <clears throat> I have not seen beyond these first two episodes. I hope it's not multiple personalities. No, no, no. I, I hope not. Boy, do I. I would really hate if it's multiple that would be, personalities. Yes, I agree. If this is all happening in Steve Carell's head or something, boy, that would be awful. Yes, I agree. My theory of the case is that Alan is the next victim. That the story. Well, there's no way he survives this, right? Right. That's the. I first... mean, that's the thing. There's no ending of this story where he walks away. Oh, practically but, speaking. But what I mean is that Alice, you know how he is saying, "There's this guy. I want to kill him. He owns mm -hmm. this restaurant, and that story is a fiction. This is what he does. He finds these people. He chains them up. Kills them. Right." And I mean, that, I was wondering if the person Alan. upstairs is another therapist, you know, since they talked to several. So I was thinking maybe there's another <laughs> therapist upstairs. Being able to roam around the house, though, right? Like they would be yeah. free to roam. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, though. I interrupted you. I actually think that reveal is going to be a child. That's what I think it's going to be, just given his, mm -hmm. the way he softens his, uh, that maybe. Mm -hmm. And here's my theory of the case. He talks about how he used to have a wife. I believe Steve Carell's character counseled her his wife she left right abandoned the family perhaps and this is his revenge on alan mm -hmm. in a way alan needs to cure this guy to save his own life although like you mm -hmm. said i find it very skeptical that he would let this guy live anyway right I, there's just no way yeah he's just gonna go home i mean this? whatever like there can be some kind of weird plot construction where he survives but right. Practically speaking, if you right. think out every possible option, none of them should be ending with him surviving. Yeah. If this guy is truly, unless this guy is delusional and hasn't killed anybody, which would be disappointing, by the way, as well, to set up a whole show about a serial killer and be like, well, no, none of that was real. That was like, you know, the mm -hmm. wallets were, you know, just wallets he bought it <clears throat> or he's just a pickpocket, right? Whatever. If he, you know, any of that is baloney and this is all going to turn out to not be what it presents itself to be, that would be disappointing that it ends up being much more mundane than it is. But on the other hand, like you were mentioning, Steve Carell has got to believe at this point 
that he has got to escape or die because let's say he cures him. This guy's not going to be like, great. Thank you so much. Exactly. I can now be a go good about your father life. to my kid. Now why don't right. you just go home and turn me into the police? It's like, <laughs> right. that's not going to happen. Right. So exactly. if he's cured, he has even more reason to not want Steve Carell out there telling him. Mm -hmm. Then again, he could be completely lying about his whole entire biography and he may be hard to track down. He may not live in that state. There's a, there are possible ways where he could let him live if there is no way to trace it back to him, but seems extremely unlikely. And the other I reason agree. I think that this is total baloney is the fact that he's saying that this is the only way I could have a counseling session with you is on this one-on-one. -on -one. It's the only way I could have done that, which is a total lie. He could have gone into a session and told him, there's this guy, I hate him because of the following things that happened. And all he has to say is that, and by the way, even though I fixate on this guy and I really, I just want to beat him up, I stalk him, I think I'm afraid I'm going to do something terrible to him. He could have said that in session without being like, oh, by the way, I'm a serial killer, <laughs> which of course mm -hmm. would immediately not allow him. A little to red flag, yeah. But he could have done the whole session legitimately mm -hmm, mm -hmm, just without mm -hmm. leaving that one context out there that he kills right. people. And he could have had these same conversations, these same sessions, which makes me once again, I don't think, at least at this point, that they're inept at what they're doing here. I think this is all intentional. He's like, this is not, that's not his plan. This is all not his plan. This is all subterfuge right. at, this, at this point. Which is okay. what makes me interested in seeing how they're going to resolve this. Yeah, I agree. That would be interesting. So that's basically where I'm at. I'm interested, A, because these are very short episodes, and B, because that I am very curious to be like, okay, you have created this very weird conundrum for these characters, and then how can they possibly get themselves out of it? I, I, in either scenario, right? Like without, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Basically, one has to kill the other. It seems to be the, the case, right? And why are we seeing these flashbacks to Alan's, you know what I mean? Like if this is going to turn out to be like a chess game where Alan might be holding the child ransom or having convincing or manipulating the child into calling the police or something, right? And it's all this battle of the wills around some other third character, which we've already introduced. Then why are we having these flashbacks to Alan and his family and his ex-wife and, and all that? Like it's, uh, it's, you know, once right. again, I don't know what their plan is, which is what makes me curious to continue watching. I agree. That would be... A reason to keep watching just to see what is really going on here. Yeah, exactly. All right. I think that's pretty much all we had. Did you have anything that you've watched on vacation that you wanted to recommend? I mean, did you finish off? Uh... Never have I ever. Uh, I finished it. I laughed. I cried. <laughs> I, I mean, I loved it so much. I can't even tell you how much I loved it. That's great. Glad you mm -hmm. liked it. I still have not sampled it. I got to put that on my agenda. Amazing. So good. And meanwhile, here on the podcast, also covering uh, Game of Thrones, which has come back, the House of the Dragon prequel, and it's uh, been good so far, very good so far. Two episodes into that, so check those recaps. And starting this week, starting today, actually, we're recording this on Thursday. Tonight, we'll have the premiere of the new Lord of the Rings prequel series, which they spent $1 billion on, $1 billion. My God. So yeah, I'm very curious to see that, and we'll be covering both of those shows in that same episode, which will drop probably on Sunday, although we're away on Sunday, so maybe it won't be until Monday. We'll see. That's what's happening here on the podcast. And we will, of course, continue to be watching The Patient going forward as well. And that's it. Thanks so much for the conversation, Sona. Thank you. I'll be back indoors next week. <laughs> <laughs> you may, okay. Make sure you close that slider when you're locked up in the basement again. Yes, Chained to your computer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.